0: Friends, friends, um, again, we're in a sermon series right now, this last part of the book of Colossians, uh, to be exact, in chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. And again, this sermon is entitled, Excuse You, because again, there's something about human interaction that creates and rubs and sometimes even grinds against each other, and that's the church is not exempted from that. And in fact, I would even suggest that this is, the context of this letter is written to believers, not written to the society or to the lost world, although they are not outside of God's reach, but the spiritually unredeemed won't understand the spiritual truths that the redeemed community will. And so we are called, we are instructed. This is prescriptive part of the scriptures that is, that is informing us, that is commanding us, if you will, if we could use that word, because sometimes we, we assume that posture of don't tell me what to do, <laughs> right? Just ask any of you who've had teenage children would understand that, right? Who are you? You're not the boss of me. And yet the Scriptures would would, would tell us. Now, before I dive into this part of the Scripture, I um, am seeking commentary and just to uh, understand a little bit more of the complexity of Christian ethics, because this is what we're being um, uh, instructed on and and, and taught, Christian ethics, how to behave, how to conduct, how to engage even the complexity of life itself that, that isn't explicit in Scripture. There is something for us to learn. And this is where, where Paul is, is taking the Church of Colossae. Now, F.F. F. Bruce, in his commentary on this uh, part of Scripture, he, he stated this. He says, the 21st century Christian is confronted by a moral issue he may not find in the Bible any explet- explicit word of Christ relating to its particular details. But, he adds this but, but he can ask himself, what is the Christian thing to do here? When we're confronted with a lot of moral issues, we should have a series or a filter to ask ourselves, what is the Christian thing to do here? Can I do this without compromising my Christian confession? It's another good question to ask. It's a valid question. Um, Can I do it in the name of the Lord Jesus? Oh, that's another one. Right? You can ask that question. Or how about this other question? And can I thank God the Father through him that he has given me the opportunity of doing this thing? (laughs) Whatever it is. We don't know. I mean, how many of us had the manual, or if you haven't bought it, you're out of luck, but bought the manual of how to raise your children? Or how to have the perfect marriage, right? Or how to do life correctly. I I didn't, I have looked all over the internet, and I've, till, till this date, haven't found, right? And so, these are the things that Paul is laying out for the Church of Colossae. Now, one important thing. As we consider Christian ethics, we can't forget in the greater context of all this part of Scripture that we're addressing these prescriptions that are being given to us. All of this cannot be, we can't ignore the fact that all of this is grounded and is built upon Colossians chapter 2, verses 11 through 15, and this is the, 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 the very proximity of these texts that we're, that we're reading, this, this do and, and put on and put off, and, and this, this prescriptive instruction is all grounded and spins off of our union with Christ. In other words, it is because of the work of Christ, it is because what he did for us, this new identity, this stripping off of the old and putting on of the new, We're able to do this. To do this without that in mind then would lead us to even even what some would call or suggest as false religion that Paul was talking or ascetics. A form of legalism, of holier-than-thou mentality And so, this is why it's important to to contextualize the, the part of the scripture that we're reading and remember what we're being asked. And even as you look at chapter three, the first four verses, a little further context helps us understand that we've been raised with Christ because we've resurrected with Christ. How? In our baptism. Symbolically, when we were immersed, we're identified with, with, with being uh, um, in, dead with Christ. We're associated with that. But in the, in the raising up out of the waters, we're also associated, identified with His resurrection. So that we die to the old self, we are raised in the power of the gospel The power and the the powerful working of God in our lives. That's what you read in those first four verses of chapter three. But then, not only that, when you look at verses eight through 11, we also understand because we've placed our hearts and our minds on the things above. Our passions, our focus should be in the things above and not on the things of the world. So again, you know, we, we, we see how Paul is laying this out. And then again, as if we needed to be reminded, we are reminded of this new attire, this new virtue that is being identified for us that, that, that again, we don't have the time to unpack it all, but, but we're, we're now specifically being given the details of the attire, what are those elements that should be part of this new humanity? What, is, what does it look like to be a true believer of Christ? And if we say that we are identified with Jesus' death and resurrection, here is what your attire should look like. And so we start reading that in verses 12 through 17. Now, that's the context. Now, let's read the scripture there. Open up your, turn on your phone or your iPad or open up your your Bible. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 12. Then notice again, he says, Put on them as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, comma, bearing with one another if one has a complaint against another forgiving each other as the lord has forgiven you so you must also forgive and above all these things there it is again the three-letter word put on right put on love i'm sorry a two-letter word put on three if you had love put on love Right, Um, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Verse 15, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. There's that, that word again, that motif. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness, there's that word again, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Verse 17, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving, and there's again the word thanks, giving thanks to God the Father through him. May God bless his word again. Because this is the word of the Lord for us today. Three reminders that I took from this text that I hope to give you this morning, and hopefully it will help you wrestle with the text. First, we are in the world, and notice how I put the capital not. But not of the world starts with a new self. You probably bought the t-shirt, had the bumper sticker, bought the mug, you know, not of the, in the world, but not of this world. What a great reminder of the truth that's being told on it. Now, again, let's look at this verse again slowly in verse 12. Put on, right? This right here is the imperative. But this, the, the uniqueness about this imperative in the original language, it's an exhortation now and twice we are giving an exhortation uh, here in verse 12 where it says put on and then also in verse 14 above all these things put on a two letter word put on we're being exhorted we're being we're we're being encouraged we're being asked, hey, be excited about these. Put these things on. Well, what are those things? Well, notice these, these uh, three designations that are given in the first, uh, the first part of this verse in verse 12. Put on, then, comma, as God's chosen ones. This is a very powerful statement here. You are not here because you ultimately decided that, yeah, you had something to do. You could have stayed home and watched baseball or, or golf. There's a golf tournament right now. You could have just stayed in. It's a beautiful day to be outdoors and be barbecuing. But you're here. Why are you here? Well, ultimately, we believe God ordained it to be that, that way. And so you're here. We're here. I'm here. At the pleasure of the Lord. So it says, as God's chosen ones, notice it. First of all, we're chosen. Secondly, look at the word holy, right? And then notice the third one, and beloved. Those three designations have and derive from the Old Testament. In fact, if you read, like, for example, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 6 through 8, listen to what it says. You might turn there or you might just jot it down and later you can go there. But listen for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you. So, not only are you holy, but you have been chosen. You to be a people for his treasure. Notice this. I love the Old Testament. And we're gonna we're gonna focus on this a little bit when we start the, the Exodus series. But notice this: you are a tre- for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are in the face of the earth. It was not because of you were more in number than any other people who, um, that the Lord set his love on you and chose you. That's the third word there, love, um, and chose you. For you were the fewest of all peoples, but it is because the Lord loves you. Have you been told that you're loved today? Well, let me take this opportunity to tell you, I love you. You are loved. And and, and again, so these three designations, right? Well, the first one uh, really, really drives our attention to the fact that um, it is God in his sovereign grace, in his powerful omnipotence, in all his majesty. Can you imagine he could have called somebody else, but he called you and me at this right moment in time to be here, to be in relationship, to experience the gift of life? This is powerful stuff. And, and, and so that, that's, that's, that's where the, the chosen part comes in. Holy, again, this isn't that you have a holier-than-thou position, but that now you have been sanctified by the Lord for His exclusive purposes. Notice, this changes our whole perspective. We exist to bring Him glory before we lived for our glory, our reputation, our name. But now we have been called and we've been loved and we've been selected to now live for his exclusive purpose. Just like my Bible. You can borrow my Bible, but it's still my Bible. I like my Bible. I like, I like to read my Bible. I, I have sanctified it. I don't use the word sanctified, but I purchased it. I redeemed it. So that it could be my exclusive purpose to read the word. So to our lives, we've been redeemed. And that's what Deuteronomy uh, verse 8 ends at. Where he says, and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the house of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. God has redeemed us for these three things. That we lived as a chosen people. That we live for his purposes And that we lived as a beloved community. Praise God for that. And so, again, verse 13 goes on. It says, bearing with one another. And notice this. Christianity does not ignore the fact that there's not going to be any tension amongst us. It's right there in the text. Some people have a vision of church that there's no problem. there's 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 no perspectives. That's not what he's saying. Listen to what the text says again. Bearing with one another, and, and if one has a complaint against another. Oh, I as a pastor get to hear a lot of complaints. <laughs> not from here, those from my other church. If one has complaints against another, listen, forgive one another doesn't mean that we're not going to have a different a perspective and opinion. We are. We're people. I already told you. I like tamales and you don't. That's okay. That's okay. But, but, but we built this on forgiving one another. But notice this, my friends. Why, do we, why are we able to forgive one another? Here's the basis of everything Paul is saying. Here's the basis. As the Lord has forgiven you, you also forgive one another. How's that? In fact, somebody suggested, somebody suggested that that to be forgiven by Christ should release the generosity required to forgive others. I'm going to repeat that again. To be forgiven by Christ should release generosity required to forgive another. This is why why that is so foundational. We, We said it. We recited last Sunday the Lord's Prayer. And forgive us, as one virgin would say, forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. The foundation is forgiveness. So, again, he he lays that down. And again, um, you know, you could do your homework. You know, Galatians chapter 5 is a great way to contrast the the desires of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. That list that he goes on is, 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 is grounded on what the fruit of the Spirit is in our lives. But this forgiveness part, man, that is so. Um, powerful. And then again, verse 14, he goes, and above all these, here's the exhortation again, put on love. Um, we don't have to have this whole thing on love. If you want to find out what love is, is captures there or encapsulates, read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and that, that, that'll rock your world. And I'm sure we've all, probably the majority have, uh, And that, if you've had premarital counsel, you're going to talk about love. But that love is very powerful. Why? Because it says, you know, uh, it's, it says this like, love hopes all, believes all, keeps no record of wrong. <laughs> I mean, just that alone, right? That's a very powerful description of what love comes down to. And then that's exactly, that 1 Corinthians chapter 13 passage is really driving in what we're reading here in verse 14 of Colossians. Above all. Put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. How does the church grow? Man, when love is put on its feet and it stretches and it pulls one another and there's forgiveness and there's generosity, God begins to do some powerful things in that group of people. Secondly, in the world, but not in the world, is distinguished by our peace. Notice this, our peace and thankful hearts. I, I, again, two things I just want to focus on this text here. One of them is found in verse 15, and the other one is found in verse 16. But listen, listen to what this is. And notice the verb here being used. And let the peace of Christ rule. Where should the peace of Christ rule? If I'm reading the the Bible correctly, it says, in your hearts. Me as a man, I'll tell you, I'll get upset. But my indifference shouldn't rule in my heart. According to this text, what should be ruling in my heart? The peace of Christ. John chapter 14, right? Jesus said, my peace I give you, not as the world, but my peace surpasses all human understanding. Peace is also a fruit of the Spirit. So he says, let the peace of Christ, let it have control in your hearts. That's what he's saying. Kind of like a judge when he, he gives a sentence, a verdict, let that be the ruling uh, um Way moving forward, or verdict, or rule, or however you want to describe that. But secondly, look at what verse sixteen tells us: Let the word of Christ. And notice this word. I, if you've ever read John chapter fifteen, the abiding in Christ text, right? I am the vine; you are the branches. L- listen to it. Said, "Let the word of Christ dwell." And if that wasn't clear enough, it says, "Dwell richly." Uh, how many of you like camping? I know. honest here i know i know a lot of you do right that word dwell go pitch your tent go make your habitat go go and live so what is it telling you go and live in the word of christ and notice this let it dwell there in abundance how do we, my friends, guard our hearts and our mind when we're so indifferent and sometimes we don't see eye to eye on things? By the word of Christ and the peace that we allow to take control over our hearts? This is what this is phenomenal right cuz this is what he's telling them let, let let you know live in this place this is what 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 um Colossians 1:20 was trying to unpack right and through him to reconcile all things to himself whether on earth or in heaven Reconcil- can you imagine even creation itself is yearning the trees the birds the the whole ecosystem is crying out for the day of redemption Wow, we don't think that way sometimes. But the whole nature, the whole created order is waiting for the glorious return of the Lord to restore all things and make things new. Wow, I'm starting to preach here. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 again a reminder to the believers as they're waiting why because some of them became too lazy so I said I'm not going to go to work God the Lord's coming anyway so why work can you imagine that dude you have to pay your bills you have to to be diligent no 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 the Lord's going to come at any time I'm not going to go work because the Lord's coming anyways oh no that's why Paul said stuff like, hey, if you don't work, you don't eat. Gotta pull your way. But listen to what he said. First Thessalonians 5:18. Give thanks in all circumstances. We don't get to choose and pick our circumstances. But whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, we are commanded to give thanks. And that is wow. Okay. Finally. In the, in the world, but not of the world. And this, this is probably the most powerful one here. Exalts God through Christ. Again, look at verse 17, how it concludes, right? We can focus on the whatever you do in word or deed. Pause here. Caesar, you might want to get ready in a couple more minutes, but, but here you go. There was a husband and a wife went to go visit a counselor, a marriage counselor. And the husband said, you know what, counselor, my wife does everything wrong. And the wife looked at the counselor and said, well, you know what, dear sir, my husband only does two things wrong. The counselor was blown away. Because the, the, the husband's accusing the wife of doing everything wrong, and the wife simply tells the counselor, everything he says and does, he does wrong. <laughs> that pretty much summarizes it, right? And I think that's what Paul is getting to here in this last part, in whatever you do, whatever, whatever. Notice how whatever does not leave any parts of our life excluded or exempted. There's no giving God 90% and keeping 10% for yourself. You give God 100%. You give Him total control, total access. In other words, this is where he's getting to. This is where he's landing that plane and really just helping them. It is, it is the lordship of Jesus Christ encompassing all the areas of our life. Everything, excluding nothing. Holistic. That means God is interested in your marriage. He is interested in your parenting. He is interested in your sex life. He is interested in all the areas of your life. And so, this is why pursuing this new way of living commenced. It was inaugurated when Jesus became the Lord and Savior of our lives. This is why we're different in the world. Last reminder Colossians 1 clearly tells us To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory, church. And then Colossians two eleven and 12. By the circumcision of Christ. Notice, not no longer of the flesh. You don't have to cut the piece of the flesh. But now being in Christ, we've been circumcised. And notice this. Verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God. We bow our heads for a minute. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this time in your word. Thank you for selecting us, for choosing us, by giving us this awesome, wonderful new life, this new humanity. Lord, we, we live in a society that's hostile. We live in a dark world. Yeah, we get that, Lord. We're not asking to be exempt from it. We're not running away from it. We are not asking, Lord God, that, that hey, um, we want a better place. We want human flourish. We want to create wellness in our community. So, Father, what we are asking is while we live in this world that has a lot of twists and turns and, and pains and setbacks, Lord, that as a redeemed community, those things become now absent. Why? Because we're all forgiven and we've all received this new life at the time of our new birth when you became the Lord and Savior of our hearts in our baptism when we identified with you to be followers, active followers of Christ. And so, Father, if there be anyone here this morning, in person or online, that would say, Lord, I too want to be part of a community like this. I too want to experience the tension of love and relationship and forgiveness. May that person confess with their mouth, believe in their heart that you raised Jesus from the dead and they too are given the promise of new life. We pray that, Lord. And so, Father, for us here today as we continue living, may we learn what are these elements of clothing, of the new clothing that we have dressed ourselves with. To you, all honor, praise, praise, dominion power and Lord as my dear friend Carl will be here standing in the altar um, on the side of the altar I want to invite anyone here that would love to be prayed over that you would take the opportunity now or at the end of the service to come and ask for someone to pray for you pray with you, and pray over you. All of this we pray to the glory of the Father, through the Son, and the Holy Spirit.